join me in Matthew 6 today, we're going to read a very, very familiar prayer. It's also on the screen, and so you can follow along there. Um, And it's part two of our series, Thy Kingdom Come. Today, we're going to talk about kingdom priorities. Last, last time we were together, we spoke about what is the kingdom of God. And you'll remember us saying that Jesus never intended to start a religion. And this might be new to some people to hear, but it's very important that we as Christians understand that Jesus' objective was not to come and provide an alternative religion to the already massive amount of religions that were out there. In fact, Jesus bypasses all of that and he just doesn't even fit in that category. Jesus comes as a king and you'll hear him say these things repeatedly. Like the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God have come. And it's clear if you will just read his words and and not read it with a religious mindset that you'll realize that he's actually talking about a kingdom. It's not just quote-unquote, code for heaven. He's actually speaking about a new governance system that he is introducing in the earth that is working and operating on a different set of principles than what the current governments and ruling systems of the earth were operating on. And as a king, he did not come to play nice with these other ones. He came to overthrow them. And to take over. And so Jesus did not come to be one amongst the many. He came to be the only one. Y'all. The only king. That we should pledge allegiance to. And if you listen to his words. The way he says things. The way he talks about what he's here to do. You'll realize that it's not about religion. It's not about do's and don'ts. And lists of things that we we do to make ourselves become better people no it's actually a lot of the time it's like it's like a war cry it's like when christ calls you he bids you come and die you're signing up for a war you're you're putting your own life aside and you're joining my cause now that's the thing that's if you if you just read the words for what it actually says you realize that jesus is a king who rules a domain. And even though that is an unseen domain, it is a phys- it is, not a physical, it is a real um, it is a real presence. And in and within that domain, things operate and work the way he desires it to operate and work. And if you plug into it, you get to experience the benefits of that kingdom. But if you say you want to plug into it, but you live like you're not from it, you come at odds with the government of that kingdom. What happens to you on earth when you come at odds with the government? Hello? Yeah, you get in trouble. You get sometimes even detained. Sometimes, you know? And that's what happens to us when we come at odds with the government of, of, of heaven that's trying to fix earth and trying to make earth look and operate in a certain way. We find ourselves actually working against God in our own lives. And so many times Christians have this, have this way that they think that they can still define their lives. They can still th- you know, live life as they should want it and choose to do it. Um, all the while, you know, Jesus is just you know, my fire insurance. 
right? You know, one day when the fire comes, you know, Jesus is my insurance that I won't get burnt. Jesus actually never offers himself as Savior without you bowing your knee to him as Lord. Nowhere in Scripture is he being presented to us as a Savior that just says to you, it's fine, just, you just live your life as you like it, but just, you know, believe that I'm the Savior. You will not find that. What you do find, though, is that it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is what? Lord. He is Lord. Lord refers to the ruler of a domain. It refers to a king. He is the Lord over a domain. His kingdom came when he overthrew the kingdom of darkness, which we were all subject to before we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. And so really this life is only properly viewed through the lens of understanding that there are two unseen kingdoms at war. It's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. It's the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of Jesus. And before you get, before you get to become involved in the kingdom of Jesus, you are actually by virtue of your birth in the kingdom of Satan. And he is your master. Sometimes one, this one guy, he wrote the Satanic Bible. He said this. He said that that song by Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. It's actually the most satanic song ever written. This was the writer of the satanic Bible. Saying, I did it my way. Is the most satanic thought. Because that's exactly how Satan gets people to stay out of thy kingdom come. It's when they're constantly about my kingdom come. And so you will do well as a Christian to realize that you don't get to define your life as a Christian. Your priorities, your way of doing things. He is the Lord of our lives and He defines how everything ought to happen. And our job is to seek that out and to pursue that. To, 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 earn, to yearn for that way and to incorporate that way into our lives. As we do that, we come in line with the momentum of heaven that makes us overcome and victorious and get free of the things that are holding us down, which are remnants of our previous life, the fruit of our previous life. We're still in the kingdom of God. But we're still experiencing the fruits of that previous life the only way to fully and truly get free from it entirely is to get in the momentum of heaven to understand how the kingdom of god works and come in alignment with it to break you free out of those bondages and out of those patterns that then helps you to live the life that god intended for you to live in the first place so matthew 6 9 our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name jesus is teaching us how to pray is this how you pray or how do you pray when you start praying, what are the first words coming out of your mouth? Jesus is teaching us to pray, and these are His pattern. This is His pattern for prayer. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is being done in heaven. Would you agree that in heaven, God's will is being perfectly obeyed? All right, There is no more rebellion in heaven. That happened, and it got sorted out like this. So the guy who thought that he was going to lead a revolution against Jesus had a massive surprise when he realized that he actually had zero resistance power against him. Um, when, when, 
when he got completely uh, banned from heaven and a third of the angelic force that lined up behind and so god wants us not to be <laughs> one of one of those guys <laughs> he wants us to not say my kingdom come he wants us to pray thy kingdom come your will be done not my will be done but let's be honest that's difficult right because we are by nature selfish you know those of your parents will know every child knows the word mine you know coming out the womb basically you know, nobody needs to teach us how to, you know, fend for ourselves and how to stand up for, you know, what is ours. It's kind of natural. We're by nature selfish and about ourselves and self-centered. And, um, and the kingdom of God actually wants us to lay down ourselves and put Jesus on the throne of our lives and make him central to our lives. And that's difficult because it's difficult to, you know, to willingly die. It just is. You know, there's a reason why fight for life is such a big deal in life. It's because we hold dear to it. And if I lose my right to dictate my own way in my own life, it feels like death to me. And in a sense, it is because I am dying to myself and to my perspectives and my opinions about how things ought to be. And I am adopting the king's perspective. And so it is me dying to myself, but now I get to live for Him and according to His principle, which has His product as a promise. But let's get into a couple of points here today. The first thing is that our life is the sum total of the decisions that we make. It just is. And, and, and we don't get to dump responsibility for our lives on anybody that done even stuff to us that we did not deserve. Because even though that was not right and injustice was dealt to you, how you responded to it is still up to you. And God is able to make you pass through every dark place and every dark valley if you will keep responding by faith to Him and His calling in your life. But if you allow a situation that even you did not deserve or did not, was surprised and you know, done unto you that was wrong, if you allow that to become your master... And that's on you. It's not even on the person who done wrong to you. And I'm not minimizing the injustice that was dealt to you. I'm trying to get you to see that you're a victim once, but after that you become a volunteer. So you have to decide, am I going to let this thing dictate the rest of my life? Or am I going to say to that thing, enough. My Jesus is lifting me out of it. And start walking towards the victory that he has promised for you. If you will follow by faith in his footsteps. So I know this is hard to hear. But this is necessary. Alright. You know what, what do you tell somebody. I think Rachel is still here somewhere. That fell off a horse. It's like, like get back up. No I'll do it later. No now. Why? Because the longer you wait the more the fear grips you. You have to get up now. And some of you have been lying in something that has been done to you for so long that it's, it's become your identity. And you need to get rid of that identity because it's killing you. And it's stealing from you the things that God wanted for you to step into. Let it go. Give it to Jesus. Stand up. Accept his identity and victory over your life and start walking towards it. It ain't going to be easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. 
And you know that he's with you every step of the way. And he knows everything that happened. And he will let justice prevail. Either this time of, you know, either in this life or in the next. But you can be guaranteed that justice will prevail. It's not your job to make justice happen. Your job is to forgive and move on. But if you don't forgive, that thing will kill you. It will keep defining you. It will keep dragging you down. You have to let it go. Because there's life to be found in Jesus Christ. But you don't get to find it because you're, you, you, th- what you're holding on to is in the place of the thing that God wants to give you. Your life is a total of the decisions you make every day. And I, I, I once, once I had to bail my brother out, out of jail. And I mean, he, he's, he's, a, he's a lot better now. <laughs> um, him and I have always had a very special relationship. And uh, um, he was real tender at that moment and I got to speak into his life and I told him that, bro, that, you know, success isn't one massive big decision. You know, you can, you can decide here today that you're never going to end up in this place here. But that, this big moment that you're experiencing now and this big good decision that you're making now to, to, to say yes to Jesus, say yes to God, isn't going to fix everything. Success, in fact, is a thousand little decisions, insignificant decisions that all line up in the same correct direction. That's what success is. And so you can't think that, you know, one day I'm going to make this big decision and everything is going to come right. No, you won't. Now get up tomorrow morning and read a little bit of the Bible. That's an insignificant good decision. But if you keep doing that, it builds a momentum in your life that ends up saving you from the big stuff. Get up, make your bed, gives you, put your mind in the right kind of order. Get up, go do the dishes. Don't let it lie there for seven days. Go clean the house, vacuum that carpet. Small decisions matter because they make eventually the big things tick over. But you have to do those ones, those, you have to load the bases, as they would say in baseball. Um, point number two is our decisions are determined by our priorities. Let me just go back to that for a little bit. You know what? How many times we just wish we could hit the home run? I understand that. I'm like that too. I want to score big. But how many games are won by home runs versus how many games are won by guys who just consistently load the bases and kept on bringing somebody home, kept on bringing somebody home? The one is spectacular, but the other one is way more frequent. I'm just saying that. Our decisions are determined by our priorities. Priority is putting first things first. But it's not just putting your first thing first. It's putting God's first things first. Because you can have priorities that is you-centered and will still lead you to failure. Will still lead you to self-destruct. It's one of our most important things to realize that we have to prioritize. Like, I've been, I've been coming to a, a real bad realization, and that is that I'm becoming old. Er. Um, and that's why I shaved my beard, because I feel a little younger. Let's just get the elephant out of the room. I know, I shaved. Um, somebody said, I can't take you serious without your beard. I said, it's going to be a hard life for you, bro. <laughs> um, from age 36 onwards, I radically started experiencing a change in like, you know, my abilities. Up till then, I was like an energizer bunny. You couldn't switch me off. I would just like work day, night, just keep going. And 
they did something significant to take place that affected my health. But after that, I've never, I've never, recover, never recovered to where I, where I was before. And I find myself now being tired a lot of the time, more than I was before. Um, and I realize more than ever now how important it is that I spend my time and my energy on things that matter for God. Because I don't have all the time in the world and all the energy in the world anymore. And, and those of you young people who are laughing at me, just, just wait, okay? <laughs> Somewhere it hits, it, it hits everybody. But the, <laughs> but the thing is that you can still be wise about how you spend your time on what you spend your time. But if you spend your time on stuff that don't matter, you're going to come to the end of your life and be very disillusioned as to what you look back at and see. And I don't want to look back at my life and think, Man, I was very successful, but I was successful at things that don't matter. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. The greatest mistake in life is to be busy but not effective. In fact, I just semi-quoted a guy called Francis Chan. And this, he's an amazing Bible teacher, uh, led a, a huge mega church. Um, and then he resigned one day. He said, I realized I, I wasn't living my ministry, my career, my life like Jesus wanted me. I, wasn't, I, was, I was doing a lot of church programs, but I wasn't making disciples. And he just resigned. Instead of asking that church to change, that big church where he thought would not be possible, at least that's how I uh, understand it, he resigned and he started a new movement which was based on Jesus' principles of discipleship, discipling people into the beliefs of God, the ways of God. And um, he said this, he says, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but, at, but of succeeding at things that don't matter in life. That was him who said that. We can be successful at things that just don't matter in life. It is possible. And it is sad. It is sad. Because I think so many of us are so set on having to succeed in our careers and financially. And, 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 and you know, we find so much identity in, in, our, in our, the, the money we make and the, you know, the, the career ladders we climb. And, um, uh, trying to provide for you know this day and for then and for that day and all of those kinds of things that we that we that we're going to come to that day look back and go man I have been spending my life on things that have no eternal value and I'm not against career advancement or making money but it has to be for the right for the right kingdom reason there has to be a god purpose behind it for it to have any meaning and any way of helping you find significance in your life i mean if you've um tried to <laughs> uh, go shopping one day we went shopping we went well, we tried to look for a habitat for humanity in lake charles so we googled it and we found four locations for Habitat for me, I was like, man, we're going to shop till we drop today. Four places, surely we're going to get everything we need for our remodel. So, right, so we, we pull up to the first place, and guess what? It's closed. 
you know, and I'm like a little, you know, because we spent about 25 to half an hour minutes driving there, you know, traffic and everything. And so I'm like a little, you know, but don't worry, there's three more, right? <laughs> Come to the third place, it's a, like an open field. There is no habitat for humanity. And we're like, Come on, somebody. And so we're like, okay, we got two more. We end up with another one. It's, it's a church. It's not a habitat for humanity. The last one, our last hope, this is our whole afternoon driving around looking for habitat for humanity in Lake Charles. It's an office. They don't sell nothing. I'm like, oh, a lot of activity and no shopping. No activity. So much of our lives are like that, just driving from one thing to the next thing and not ever actually doing something for the kingdom of God. We can't allow that to happen. We can't allow our lives to flee, fly by us and we are not having uh, established God's kingdom uh, through us uh, where we were. So it's failure to establish your priorities correctly in the beginning of your life that makes you live your life like that. And at the end of the day, you just wasted your two most valuable commodities, your time and your energy. Because that really is the currency of life. We trade our time and our energy for, you know, for money, for stuff, for success, for producing what we want to see happen in life. So we have to make sure that our priorities are not just uh, in place, but the correct priorities are in place. We prioritize what the kingdom prioritizes. Otherwise, we find ourselves um, chasing after wind. And there's a whole book in the Bible that goes about this whole principle, about chasing after stuff that don't matter. And we need to heed the, the warning of the scripture. So let me talk to you a little bit about a guy called Abram Maslow, he, um, he defined what drives humanity as a behavioral, in, in the form of behavioral needs, um, saying that basically um, people have needs, some much very basic kind of needs. And then as you get settled on the basic needs, you have that in place, then you start looking for you know, other needs that are maybe less material but more and more intangible. Um, and it ends up that, you know, things like water, food, you know, and, 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 and clothing, you know, something over your head. Those are the, like the basic needs that every human has and, 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 and that they need. But once that's kind of in place and stable, people start yearning for something more. They start yearning for something that's, you know, um, maybe, maybe more secure. That, that has, offers more protection. When that's kind of in place and they feel kind of safe, they start yearning to, to, to you know, actually do something that, that, that is remembered, that, that others might recognize as, wow, thank you for doing that. And then even after that, you know, it becomes more of a, a, a desire to, to exploit every bit of potential that has been put on the inside of them and so there's always a a need to achieve and to and to become better uh, at what you are and the last one it says the most highest need of humanity that they strive for is actually not success it's significance it's knowing deep inside that what i did with my life mattered you know how many people reach that actually very few Actually, very few, uh, many people get to the pinnacle of success and still find themselves yearning for this, having not achieved this because they had their priorities wrong. The kingdom of God flips this thing on its side, on its head, sorry, on its head. 
The kingdom of God makes significance having the right priorities. Not your priorities, but God's priorities in your place. The first important thing of our lives. The the shocking thing though is that religion is actually just centered around getting man's needs met. Think about this. Every effort of religion is to appease a deity of some sort who is supposed to help me get my food, my water, and you know the, the, the needs that I have. Protection and healing maybe if I'm sick uh, or recovery if I'm you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tough spot. Um, and so, so my attempt to appease this deity is to kind of you know, uh, 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 bend his will so that he will bless me, so that he will help me. And, and, and we see that in so many people's religious prayers. It's like, what are you praying for? Food. Clothes, needs, protection, means, resources. It's actually very, very contrary to Scripture to just pray constantly about these things. In fact, we're, we're, we're advised the opposite. Don't worry about these things. Your heavenly Father actually knows about these things. Let's, let's read Matthew 6 a little. A couple of verses from Matthew 6. It says this, Whatever I, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus is saying exactly the opposite. Stop worrying about these hierarchy of needs. Stop worrying about your needs the whole time. And start worrying about putting his kingdom first in your life. Because life is way more than your needs. And if you're going to succeed and have a significant life, a fulfilled life, you're going to have to start worrying about Jesus' focus. What He deems to be priority. Putting that first in your life is what eventually leads you to having all the other things without getting that replacing Jesus' priorities and without getting that to dictate your life. Jesus is actually exposing man's wrong priorities. And what he's really saying is much of what we call, you know, prayers and faith is actually just our attempt to get the things that are on Maslow's list. Getting God to help us. God's kingdom works in a completely different way. He wants us to stop letting these things consume our mind and all our effort and all our energy and our time, thinking our headspace. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? He's saying, stop that. Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Thanks for correcting me. Um, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? That's rhetorical. The answer is an emphatic yes. Each and every one of you are more valuable than the birds of the air. Can any one of you, though, by worrying, add one day to his life? Another rhetorical question. The answer there is no. Worrying doesn't add. In fact, it's proven worrying probably takes days from your life. <laughs> Why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry saying, what shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? And this here is an indictment against so much of our focus and our failure to put Jesus first. Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He's saying, stop worrying about these things. I know you need it. And if I know you need it, you can bet I'll provide you with it. It's not that he's saying, hey, that's not important. He's saying, stop worrying about it that much. He knows that we need these things. How many of you would would deny your child something that he needs just because you know, you don't feel like giving it to them if it was in your means to give it to them. It's like so few human beings are like that. They might be the one, you know, psychopath out there who loves seeing other people suffer. But the bottom line, normal human beings like to give good things to their children. The Bible says, you who are evil, you knowing how to do good to your children, how much more won't I? I am a good father. How much more will I look after you and look after these needs that you might have? But you having your focus so much on it is leading to things that you, you really do not see happen in your life. I want to talk about that in just a minute. But it's amazing that he acknowledges that we do need these things and that he's not denying us these things. He will add these things. He will give these things. But the promise comes Soon, this verse, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Prioritize according to his priorities first, not your own. Seek first what he deems to be the important things to do and to be involved in and to be busy with. And the things you seek and desire will be added to you over time, but then they will not be your dictator. They will not be your boss. They will not be your master. Bible says you are a slave to whatever you obey. And if something demands of you to spend your time in a way that God does not want you to spend your time and you obey it, it is your master. Jesus is not. And it's hard to hear this, but it's necessary for us to hear this because Jesus is the king of this kingdom that we're a part of. Jesus states that there's one priority in the kingdom for us, and that is that we will seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. What does it mean to seek His kingdom and His righteousness? We're going to talk about that just now. But listen to what this verse says. And all, if you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. It will be added to you. He's not like a, a sadistic, you know, um, person that, that laughs at, you know, oh good, you know, they're, they're my slaves and they do everything I do and you know, now they're suffering for it, ha, ha, ha. 
That's not the type of God we serve. He's a compassionate, loving, caring father that knows even your desires. And he wants to give you the desires of your heart. The Bible declares it. But if your desires have become your God, then your God needs to provide your desires. And it sure isn't going to be Jesus. It's time for us to get some priority checks in our hearts. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own trouble. What does it mean? It means if you're going to think of all the things that you still want to achieve and all the things that you still need to have happen in your life, all of that weight comes and bears down on today. And because you have limited time and resources for today, you're going to feel overwhelmed. And you're not going to want to spend time with Jesus that feels like inactivity. You're not going to want to come and spend time with people at church because you feel that you have stuff to do and deadlines to reach. Why? Because you're taking all of the weight of the future and putting it on today. What do you have to do today? Forget whatever needs to happen next. It doesn't mean you don't plan. It doesn't mean you don't strategize. It doesn't mean you don't... But because you plan, you know that I'm not going to be able to do everything today. And so I can have the priorities in place for today. And I can focus on what needs to come after I did my priorities for today. And then I can focus on what they need to do tomorrow. Tomorrow, I don't have to worry about that right now. It's having these priorities in place that even keeps you sane that even keeps your anxiety at bay, that even helps you to not fall into a depression because you don't feel things are working out the way it's supposed to be working out. This is bringing order into your life. It brings life. It brings peace. It brings joy to your existence because you're feeling accomplished every day. You're seeing significance every day. There's meaning to every day. Every day can be successful. You don't have to wait until retirement before you feel like you've done something right what does it look like to seek god's kingdom priorities first and foremost it's about seeking he says seek seek first the kingdom and the righteousness what does it mean to seek it means to pursue it means to study it means to want to find out it means that you're curious to learn it means that if somebody tries to teach you something you're open to it I'm astounded at how many Christians are so prideful that they can't even learn more things. It's like, is there really nothing wrong with your life right now? Are you living the perfect life right now? That you're so good that you can't actually receive any more information. That you don't have to change anything in your life anymore. I'll tell you what, you you come stand here then. (laughs) Because I'm definitely not there. But that keeps me humble. It keeps me curious. When I hear something that I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not just brushing it off, oh, you know, just another sermon. Like, what does that mean for me? How do I implement that in my life? What should change about me and my perspective? Being humble is being willing to allow others to influence you and to learn. But it comes from a desire to want to know Jesus better. So my question is, are you seeking God currently? Are you reading the scriptures? 
Are you studying things and aspects of His Word? Are you, are you learning more about His grace and about His favor? And are you learning more about His righteousness? And are you learning about the peace of God, the, the armor of God? Are you, are, you, are you learning? These things are wells that the deeper you go, the more water you can scoop. Not like, you know, one day, one day back in, 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 in you know, Sunday school class, I, I, I saw the little soldier with the armor of God. I can name them, you know, the head and the, the breast uh, plate and the breastplate and the, 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 the belt. And the, you know, all right, so just preach about something else, Pastor. Now you're missing it. You're missing how that's supposed to be implemented in your life. Knowing the armor of God means nothing until you actually take the scriptures and apply them as armor in your life. The armor of God is not praying, Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation to know. No, the helmet of salvation is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the knowledge of the scriptures that is the helmet. It's the knowledge of the scriptures that becomes your faith shield that, that protects you against whatever comes to you in your life. Saying it and reciting it has no power. It's the knowledge. It's seeking out how does this help me in my life. How does this help me make better decisions in my parenting? Help me making better decisions in my business? Help me put priorities in place in, in each of these aspects of my life? So are you studying God's Word? Do you have a concern for how His Word impacts your, way, your, your job? Have you ever asked the question, what does the Bible have to say about my occupation? You're not seeking God in your, in your work then. This is what we need to do. We need to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. That means I need to find out what does His word want me to do where I am living and working every day. I see too many Christians make this distinction between this is what I am at work and this is what I am at my family. There is no power in such a life. There's power in a consistent life. And some would say, yeah, but you don't understand my workspace. You're right. I don't. But I understand this. If you're two people, you're a hypocrite. And God doesn't want us to be that. Jesus wants us to be the same person at home and at work. Yeah, but I will get nothing done at work, so be it then. What is more important to you, your success at work or the honor of God? By the way, you're wrong. You'll get a lot done at your workplace if you start living for the honor of God in it. God is able to make amazing things happen in your, among your colleagues and among your workplace. And there are so many testimonies of men and women who are openly Christian in their workplaces who have told of guys' lives changing, people coming, asking for advice, prayers happening at work. You're just afraid of being noticed as a Christian. That's why you're wanting to be two different people. Your priorities are warped. It's not because there will be, yes, there will be consequences, no doubt. But they're worth it. The honor of God is worth it. The glory of our King is what's at stake. And your life is meant to glorify Him, not you. And if it glorifies Him and ridicules you, Rejoice, rejoice, because you're in the right place. That's what it means to live in the kingdom of God, y'all. 
It's not a religion. It's real. It's real. And it contends with this world. It doesn't try to find peace with this world. It doesn't try to fit in with this world just so that there's just no you know, r- ripples. There's just, you know, let's just all be, you know, you, you be you, I'll be me. No. The kingdom of God wants me to be like Christ. And he wants me to influence my surroundings to be like Christ. And if that rubs you up wrong, I'm sorry. I'm not doing it maliciously. I'm actually doing it because I care about you. And I can see that you're struggling. You need Jesus. And that's why. Jesus said this. He said, I did not come to bring peace. (laughs) Oh my goodness. He said, I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. We are at odds with this world, y'all. We are in it, but not of it. That means we are contrary to it. It is going to be difficult in this world. But come to terms with it and glorify Jesus anyway. Because in that lies the promise that all the things you need will be added to you. Get in the momentum with heaven and it'll push you through these challenges, how bad they might be, ever they might be. And then if we need to, like Daniel's uh, friends say, we'll trust God to save us, but even if he doesn't, I'll trust God to save my job, but even if he doesn't, I'm not doing what you're asking me. I have a friend who, who once asked, he's a website developer, his boss asked him to develop a pornographic website. He said, I won't. He said, well, then I'll fire you. He picked up his stuff and he started working out. The boss was like, well, what you doing? He said, well, you just fired me. He said, no, 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 come, come, come. Uh, you just do the back end of it and I'll just do, I'll do the graphics. He said, no, I'll have none of it. Why? Because he wants to glorify Jesus first and honor God first before he wants to save his job. Because he submitted to a king. He's not the Lord of his own life. Jesus is the Lord of his life. If your job asks you to do something that's unethical, please walk out. Your integrity, the Bible says a good name is of more worth than gold. Your integrity is at stake. God can provide you with another job, but your name takes much harder to repair. Jeremiah 29 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's our job to seek God out. Don't expect Him to do that. He says, If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. You have to make the first move. That is how the kingdom of God works. He's waiting on us. He will not impose Himself on us. You have to invite Him into your life. Seek first is what he says. There's, there's priorities in a kingdom. There's certain things that are just more important than other things. And Christianity is more than a belief system. It's a priority system. It's about who are you putting first. Okay? So are you putting your job first? Like our previous example. Are you putting your family first? Are you putting your spouse first? Or are you putting Jesus first? This drills down to the very essence of what it means to be a child of God. Because in every child of God's life, 
he is first and center. And everybody else is second and then some. Whatever is first defines the rest. So let me say this. If your children are of a higher priority to you than Jesus, then they will define the rest of your existence. As much as I love my children, they know that Jesus is first in my life. Because Jesus therefore defines even how their lives will end up. The greatest disservice I can do to my children is by glorifying them above God. By prioritizing them above God. They need to know that Jesus is first in my life and they are second. Because that gives Jesus the final say over their lives as well. It protects them. It shows them who is first. I model him, therefore him first, therefore they're going to model him first. How many kids these days are making decisions about who they'll date, who they'll marry, who they'll sleep with, and their Christians come out of Christian homes? Why? Because their parents never showed them how to say no. If, your child, if you can say no to your child, your child learns how to say no to something else. If you say yes to everything your child wants, how the heck is he going to say no to himself? If he's out there facing a difficult decision. They have to learn to face these things. They have to learn how to receive a no with love and with attention and with, with, with not just a cold no, I don't care. A no, but I do care. How can I help you walk it out? That's how it works. That's how priorities works. Jesus is first. Some people make their spouses their God. You can't put your spouse first. They have to be second to Jesus. It's always Jesus first. If Jesus is first, he defines my marriage. If my spouse is first, then her performance becomes, and I become needing of her to save everything. I become dependent on her, and I, 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 I need her to provide everything that I need. If I'm secure, I need her to be my security. If I'm, if I'm lonely, I need her to be my fulfillment. Look at me. You cannot be lonely. Remember, let's restate that. Your wife cannot deal with your loneliness. Your husband cannot solve your loneliness. You need to be filled in a relationship with Jesus where you're full before you step into a relationship. That's how your relationship stays healthy because now you're not going to be dragging and taking. You're going to be giving. You're going to be overflowing with God's life into the other person. And that's how the marriage stays healthy is when, when they're getting without asking and I'm getting without asking. But if the only way I get is by asking, manipulating, man, that's just a nightmare. That's going to end not well. Don't step into a relationship until you're healthy, until you're fulfilled, until you're whole, until Jesus has fulfilled you on the inside. Otherwise, you're going to fall for any old bloke that comes with a rose. But at the end of the day, all he just wants is for you to fill the holes in his heart. Don't do it. Put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. If Jesus is first in your marriage, he defines your marriage. If he's first in your spiritual life, he defines your spiritual life. If he's first in your financial life, he gets to define your financial life. Listen to me. There are consequences for not following God's 
priorities. It's natural consequences. God's not punishing you. It's just natural consequences of you not following his advice. This is a cause and effect universe. When you do certain things, the result is going to be a certain way. By virtue of how this place was designed. Now, if you prioritize things in the world, you invite chaos into your life. Because the world is chaotic. If you prioritize anything other than Jesus in your finances, you're inviting chaos into your finances. You have to get Jesus first in your finances. Every single week when I get my check, the first expense is always an allegiance to Jesus, a thank you. It's like, Lord, you are the head of my income. You are my source. I give to you first because you define everything else beside that. If the head is in place, the body is healthy. If you chop the head off, well, everything turns to bloody murder. Don't be surprised that your life is chaos. In every bit of chaos in your life, go ask yourself, what's the head? And get Jesus back in that place. Get Jesus back in the throne of that part of your life and your life will start working out again. Success is never accidental. It's it's very, very deliberate. You prioritizing God's priorities over your own leads to life that is orderly, leads to life that is blessed. The purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first in our lives. It's a reminder. That's why in the beginning of a year, we have a time of prayer and fasting. We dedicate the first month of our year to Jesus. That's why at the beginning of the week, we have a day where we come together and we order that week. We bring that week before Jesus. We get our perspective right about how we ought to live our lives. And then we hit Monday with the right perspective. If you compromise on this time, you're inviting chaos into your life. This is not just a good idea. This is a God priority. If you have it in place, you fall in line with the momentum of heaven. That's why, we, like I said, we, we, we give our first, the first tenth of our income, we give back to God. But we do that in so many things. First Sunday of every month, we come together and we celebrate communion. Because we remind ourselves that we're not our own saviors. We need Jesus. We remind ourselves that we need his kingship and his order in our lives. And we cannot fix ourselves. All of these things are by design. They're not empty tradition that we just do because you know, that's what churches do. We're not here to play church. We're here to save a world. And to bring God's kingdom order back into people's lives so that their lives can be saved. First and foremost from the kingdom of hell. And secondly from the disorder and the chaos that came about serving the kingdom of hell. And being disobedient to the kingdom of heaven. We are a government. It's a spiritual government. But a government nonetheless. That wants to manage things well. It's critical for us to get this into our lives and it's going to cost us some discipline. Now listen, you don't get to enjoy smooth sounding blues sounds from a saxophone without having gone through the discipline of learning those note 
buttons and playing those twin lira. What's that again? Scales. Playing those scales, right? You practice those scales. You practice those, those notes. And it sounds horrible at first. And everybody around you goes, ah, stop. But if you ignore the ah, stop and you keep going and you just, you just keep practicing your scales. You just put the discipline in. Very soon, those same people that went, ah, are going to go, oh. Listen to the smooth sounding blues sounds coming from that saxophone. They don't see that your commitment to discipline is going to be a blessing to them in time. But you have to keep that faithfulness. You have to keep the decision to stick to it. Because otherwise they will be right. They will be like, ah, that's horrible. Stick to your disciplines. Stick to your priorities. Even if people ridicule it. Bro, that sounds like a dead toad. All good. Soon it's going to sound like heaven. My life is going to emulate heaven to others around me soon. It's going to cost me some discipline. It's going to cost me some priorities, correct priorities in place in my life. All right, I'm closing. The whole book of Ecclesiastes is uh, dedicated to explaining how futile. All of life's pursuits are until you realize that the end of man, the life, the essence of life is fearing God and obeying His commandments. It's exactly the same as seeking His kingdom and seeking His righteousness. His kingdom is seeking His way and will, seeking His righteousness, is seeking that right standing with Him. That's the relationship. This is what God wants for each and every one of us. Matthew 5 or 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. My question to us today is, what must change in your life for the kingdom to become priority again? You see, when the kingdom becomes our priority, it will impact our reality. How do, you, how do you complete this sentence? I know I have to get back to, but let me first just... Let me just first, how do you complete that sentence? I know I have to read my Bible, but let me first. I know I have to come to church, but let me first. How do you complete that? You see how many other firsts there are in our lives. Let's make a decision today that Jesus is going to be first. Come on, can I get an amen to that? Jesus is going to be but he's our king he's our guide and we will trust that if we put him first the rest will actually happen by itself the rest will find its order the rest will work out by faith in him but we have to make a correction in our heart here today guys what's getting more attention right now you have to lay it down to follow the king Nothing's going to come right until you put Jesus first in your life. Let's stand. Let's pray together. This is as much a reminder for me as it is to anybody. I want to ask you to join me in a prayer of repentance today. We're going to repent. 
for not having Jesus first in our lives and allowing other things to slip into that throne and dethrone Jesus and become justification for us not doing things God's way. Lord, we, we want to say we're sorry, Father. Sorry for the fact that we make our own desires and our own needs so, priori- so much of a priority above yours. Lord, we want to say we're sorry, Lord God, that our hopes and our, our pursuits, our, our endeavors and the things that we're trying to do have become more important than you. Please forgive us, Lord. Help us make a change here today, Father. Help us repent. Help us to see it like you see it, Lord Jesus. It's not what we intend to do. It's what we actually do that defines our priorities. Help us to make changes, tangible changes, in our everyday life from today forward, Lord, so that your kingdom will be our priority, Lord God. Our relationship with you will be our priority, Lord Jesus. And your pattern for how you want us to live life will be our pattern, Lord God. We commit to that, Lord Jesus. Help us manage that tension, God. When life's demands, when when our our children's programs and and all the things we want for them are are competing with with you. Our our job, our work, Lord, when it's competing with you, help us to make wise decisions to manage that tension according to your priorities, Lord God. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Lead us, Holy Spirit. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.